Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the EGO's podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Sarah Moran. She is a research associate at the University of Sydney. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm in sunny Australia. Yeah. Oh, lucky you. I'm so happy that you're there. How is the weather out there today? It's beautiful, uh, even though like two days ago we had a, you know, massive rainfall event. Mm -hmm. uh, we got as many, like as, as much rain as we would have expected in one year. Oh my gosh. Um, in the, yeah. so there were lots of floods, um, but now it's sunny. So you would not believe that, you know, yeah. three days ago yeah. there were massive floods. That did not make our news unfortunately we've been very focused on other things <laughs> well thank I you i can imagine yeah thank you so much for being here um so just to get started today can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself so where are you from where did you grow up and if there is something that really influenced you a lot while you were growing up yeah so i grew up in colombia in South America mm -hmm. and um, and then um, yeah so I guess one of the things that influenced me the most growing up mm -hmm. uh, were the I guess South American Andean landscapes mm -hmm. so I guess just for people who don't know the Andes are the longest mountain range in the world oh. and um, and so I grew up at you know, 2,700 meters of altitude. I don't know what that would be in feet. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. You can make the conversion. <laughs> you can make the conversion later on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, you know, you, when you grow up in that altitude, uh, I guess you get a sense of wonder about, you know, how do landscapes form? And, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I think that that was a, a very big influence. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, um, were you in Colombia until you went to college or can you tell us a little bit about like your background? So did you, um, go to, come to Australia yeah. right away or what is your, your story about your college pathway? Yeah. So I guess I've had a relatively unusual career path mm -hmm. or a non-linear career path. Yeah. I, um, so I was born and raised in Bogota, um, and then I went to this high school that was, I guess, very, uh, it had a very strong mathematical uh, program, mm -hmm. math program. And um, I guess that was the other thing that really influenced my career, I guess, my knowledge. Um, because when I was in high school, I, I also learned about fractals and I guess mm. how you can uh, quantify or at least try to quantify mm -hmm. the um, roughness and complexity of nature. Mm -hmm. So that was also really cool. Um, so then when I had to decide what to study, then I um, I thought I should combine or like I should choose a career path that, that allowed me to both investigate landscapes and also um, do some sort of, you know, quantification of mm -hmm. the complexity of nature. 
Oh, that's one. That's amazing. That is like probably the most beautiful answer I've ever heard anyone say <laughs> about like sedimentology and rivers and all that. It makes so much sense. <laughs> that's great. Um, and then, so then I, so then that's when I did my undergrad in Colombia. Um, so like in, usually in Latin American countries, you do like an actual, so you don't do like just science. You Mm -hmm. actually have to choose a topic. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a five year degree. So it takes a long time to get your undergrad. (laughs) Serious. Yeah. Um, and then... So then during my undergrad, I, I don't know, like, I guess, should I continue with sure. my career path? Or yeah. Should I just, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's a very meandering career path. It's okay. Me too. <laughs> um, and then, so then, then, uh, when I was in my, when I was doing my undergrad, I, uh, started volunteering during the summers. Uh, to be a field assistant for people who are doing their PhDs in, I mean, based in, as in like the field workers based in Colombia, but they were studying overseas. Sure. Um, and because I wanted to study overseas for my grad studies, I thought that that was like, you know, a very good stepping stone mm-hmm. um, to then be able to do my grad school overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was very lucky that I, um, that I started volunteering for these, I guess, field seasons, and then that landed me or like that helped me get a job um, at Smithsonian as a research geologist. Okay. So Smithsonian has a, a field base in mm-hmm. Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then so it just happened that during the time the Panama Canal was being widened, mm-hmm. and then Smithsonian got. Um, a large amount of funding to do basic science in the Panama Canal. Wow, that's amazing. So, I had no idea that Smithsonian was there. That's so, it's a really good fun fact. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it is really cool because I guess um, it goes back to, well, I mean, the, I guess the U.S. and Panama have had always uh, a lot of fights or like a lot of links. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it goes back, I guess, to the building of the canal and also um, a lot of um, research about malaria and yellow fever was sure. conducted in by the U.S. in Panama. So that was also this is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess talking about vaccines and how important vaccines are. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's amazing. So a lot of research was, was on that. Was mm-hmm. what, um, was what the, uh, but... Anyhow, so I got, and then the other cool thing was that, I mean, Panama is really important for understanding how North America and South America merged together mm-hmm. and formed the Americas that we know today. Mm-hmm. So I was so um, fortunate and, and I, I was so happy to be able to be part of that research group. How many years were you there for? Uh, so I was there for two years. Okay. And then through, I guess, the network uh, in Smithsonian, then I managed to um, to meet who was going to be my future master's advisor. Okay. And I I got um, an assistantship, like a you know, mm-hmm. uh, I got to be a TA in the in the U.S. Oh. at the University of Minnesota. Oh, that's great! So you were in Saint Paul Duluth area. Yes, yeah, so okay. I was in in the Minneapolis. Okay. 
in the Minneapolis campus. Area. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's actually, I grew up like six hours from there in Wisconsin. I always liked oh, Minneapolis. Cool. It was like a big metropolis and we would, um, <laughs> every few years, my mom, she would coordinate a shopping trip to the Mall of America. <laughs> that's the only time we ever went to Minneapolis was to go to Mall of America with my sister and my aunt and my mo- my mom and myself, and we do, like, a weekend. But that's that's all I've ever been there. <laughs> yeah, so it is really interesting because it is, I mean, it is the biggest mall in the U.S., right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, um, it's just massive. <laughs> but what it is really interesting is that the, um, the, there's actually a really good... Um, research facility mm-hmm. right on the banks of the Mississippi River, which is uh, called San Anthony Falls. Oh, yeah. And, okay. And that facility was actually built uh, after um, the, deep, the Great Depression because okay. the government wanted to, they, uh, as you know, the U.S. government had this initiative to improve research and science um, and you know, engineering to, I guess, boost up the economy. Yeah, absolutely. So that's when that facility was built. Um, and yeah, so it's, you know, it's like the, one of the most mm-hmm. important engineering facilities, I mean, related to, to rivers yeah, in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I forgot, I have been to that facility on an industry field trip. So I've seen some of the flume tank studies. So when you were there, so you did your master's there, what type of um, work did you do for your master's? Yeah, so I was doing um, more geochemical analysis, so I was trying to understand what happens um, with the hydrological cycle and Mm -hmm. weathering during big climatic events. Sure. So I was focusing on the Paleocene-Eocene thermal maximum or, um, yeah, trying to tease out mm-hmm. climatic events that happened uh, over that period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was not doing anything related to, I guess, river dynamics. Mm-hmm. But when I took a bunch of classes and went to a facility, I realized that I love the rivers mm-hmm. <laughs> so i pretty much i guess i left i i i fell in love with rivers in minneapolis oh cool <laughs> on the banks of the mississippi river <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's yeah. so amazing um, so even though i mean i did continue my i guess my initial research topic yep. um which was also you know just really interesting i guess trying to understand the interplay between weathering and, and climatic mm-hmm. uh events was really interesting but but then I realized that I wanted to to change the my the my area of research. Yeah. Um and learn more about rivers. Yeah. Oh that's great. So then after your masters, what was your next um place that you went to? Yes. So <laughs> um so it is interesting because a normal person would have stayed in Minneapolis, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and transition um into um or like change that research into rivers. Um, but then, so I realized that there were there was this place in Australia that was called Lake Air, and it was in the middle of Australia. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who are not familiar with uh, Lake Air, it's this 
massive dry, uh, dry lake mm-hmm. that only fills up like every you know, 10 to 7 years is not completely cycled, like yeah. cyclic. Um, yeah. the, the timing of the, of the flooding changes. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's roughly, you know, 7 to 10 years. Cool. Um, and then I thought that, that was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then an opportunity came up to do a PhD in in those systems. Okay. So I decided to to move across the Pacific and and move to Australia. That's great. So then, um, what city and what university did you go to for that work? Yeah. So I um. I lived in Adelaide, mm-hmm. which is like a one million people city uh, on the Southern Ocean, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah, and then I was in the University of Adelaide. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. That's awesome. So then, um, what what did you do next? From there, did you come to the University of Sydney, where you are now, or did you have any uh, other experiences in between the two? Um, <laughs> yes, I did. So then I did a postdoc in um, in Melbourne University, mm-hmm. and, and then I moved to Sydney. But okay. I guess I should say that so the project that is funding that has funded both positions is is a five year project that is called the Basin Genesis Hub, mm-hmm. um, and it has nodes across three different universities. So sure. I guess um working on the same project but in different universities okay yeah oh that's great that's amazing so um speaking or thinking about the application of your research um are is your i think some of your work is funded by or was funded by the oil industry but now are you are you also doing that work or like how how is what your research is like actually applies to um everyday life for example yeah. So um, I yes, my current position is partially funded by the energy industry. Mm-hmm. So I guess let me just give you a little bit of background about the what the Basin Genesis Hub does. Sure. So the Basin Genesis Hub is funded um, partially by uh, three companies. So three energy companies, um, mm-hmm. which are Chevron. Um, oil search which is a, an Australian based mm-hmm. company okay and and um, Equino okay and then there are 60 percent is funded by the Australian government okay and the idea is to um, to the aim of the project is to build and apply cutting-edge technologies so like software, cutting edge software to mm-hmm. uh, better understand the formation and evolution of basins, okay. of sedimentary basins. Yeah. Um, so the idea is that these technologies can de-risk the exploration of, of uh, energy resources. Okay. Oh, that's. But what is interesting is that those those technologies apply to anything also outside the energy industry. So you can use them also for groundwater research. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can also use them for the mineral industry. So whatever industry or problem that relates to underground resources. Okay. Um, Do you foresee uh, any of that research potentially being used for more of this um, renewable trend? So 
potentially like carbon capture, sequestration, or uh, hydrogen storage, things like that. Do you think you can cross apply it that way as well? Um, yes. I mean, of course, there are some caveats, mm -hmm. and um, some of the technologies might have to be tweaked or changed a little bit to suit those um, um, markets. Mm -hmm. But I guess the power of using um, of using process-based models or mm -hmm. um, process-based technologies is that, you know, as processes are universal, then you can apply them to to understand the, the you know, what is underground yeah. um, from, a, again, from a process-based perspective. Sure. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us that. Um, so within your field, do you foresee any new trends or uh, developments in the next year, five years, or 10 years? I mean, how do you sort of see the, the science of uh, rivers and understanding their evolution going forward? Um, wow, that is a, that is a <laughs> tricky question. Yeah. Um, but I guess what, one of the things that we have seen is, uh, again, the ex explosion of data, for yeah. example. Uh -huh. um, and so one of the, the, the new trends that I see I mean, that are being developed now, but mm -hmm. I think that they will grow exponentially is the, the use of, um, for example, artificial intelligence or uh, neural networks. Mm -hmm. uh, so like whatever automatic technique that we can use, mm -hmm. or like, sorry, whatever technique we can use to automate data analysis, mm -hmm. um, I think will be definitely be a, a big part of how the, I guess, geology um, as a science, I guess, evolves yeah. in the next five to ten years. Absolutely. That's really fascinating. Um, do you find, like, when you're speaking of, like, AI and, and some of the different topics, like, within that greater data realm, are there some things that you have found in your research that really, like, surprise you? Like, either how good it is, how some things don't work at all, like, just, like, in a general sense? Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the the power of those methods is to be able to establish trends, mm -hmm. right? But then the then the important thing is that they, I guess the the geoscientists mm -hmm. will always have to make sense of those trends, right? Yeah. So it's like are those trends um, scientifically sound? Right? Sure. Mm -hmm. But what it is really interesting is that then it provides a, a, a very powerful tool to, I guess, to make sense of the data or like to, mm -hmm. you know, process a large amount of data that, I mean, otherwise it, really, it would be impossible. Right? Yeah. Like, I guess, it's like if you think back, I don't know, 100 or 200 years when people were still doing equations mm -hmm. or solving <laughs> equations by hand. Right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> versus, um, you know, the development of computers and like how much, you know, computing time we have now, mm -hmm. or computing power we have now. Um, I mean, of course, the code can still be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, again, when the human uh, mind comes in, into into play. Mm -hmm. But like the fact that we, we can process so much information now is so powerful. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's really fascinating. Um, so right now uh, at the University of 
Sydney, do you feel like you're in your dream job or your dream role right now? Or what is on the horizon? What what would be like the ideal situation for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone of the who wants to hire a very talented geoscientist. Yes. <laughs> as, a, as a faculty member, please feel free to contact me. Yeah. So at the moment, at the moment I have a fixed term position. Um, sure. I, so I love the position or the, the research that I'm doing now, and I, and I love the, um, my, my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, it's, it's not a um, continuing uh, mm-hmm. position. And I, I mean, I think that it, that's a lot of the, like a lot of ECRs now in the market are yep. are facing that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the lack of funding for academic positions is just, um, yeah, it's just huge. So. So your um, your dream job was. So I'm hoping. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just gonna say. So your your ideal is uh, you'd love to be a professor, or would you like to continue? being in a research institute and be like a PI or something like that. Yes, that's, uh, that's I guess, my dream job, the, mm-hmm. the, the dream that I have yet to achieve. It's okay. We are, um, <laughs> I'm not there yet either. I just try to find little dreams along the way. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, so, and I guess um, Australian universities have been um, – impacted by COVID yeah. because a lot of the um, international students are the ones that subsidize Australian education. Mm-hmm. Um, so without that um, monetary income, um, Australian universities are uh, at the moment in a, in a bad shape. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that affects the uh, job security, especially of early career researchers. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, we wish you the best, and I know that it will work out. It will. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so anyone out there, anywhere around the world. <laughs> yeah. Are you, um, is your, are you, would you love to stay in Australia, or are you, like, totally open to to going anywhere at this point? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I guess I, I love research so much that, um, I mean, that is, I guess, what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. um, So I'll I'll be happy to explore um, opportunities. Mm -hmm. That's good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So do you have any advice for someone who is currently building their dream just based off of all your international experience and having um, a lot of different types of jobs? Do you have someone who's maybe an aspiring geologist trying to get through this pandemic? Uh, any advice for them? Yes. Um, I just keep chasing your dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just don't give up. Um, no, but I mean, it is hard, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that um, the it is so important also for people who are in a position to, to advocate and support and sponsor people to, yeah. to, to help um, talented, inspired geoscientists right mm-hmm. um so like I'm, I'm happy to see for example a bunch of initiatives like you know um latinas in geoscience in mm-hmm. geosciences um or sorry earth sciences and planetary sciences um and just like having those initiatives just really 
it just helps people yeah. to um yeah to, like, to understand the system as well i think that a lot of the times the lack of information of knowing what to do next yeah. like in your next step how do you get from a to b yep um is really important and like if you are not in the system it's really hard to figure those steps out yeah um so i would say i mean chase your keep chasing your dreams but also i guess make sure that that you ask and mm. do not be afraid to ask people and to knock on people's doors yeah uh to ask for advice mm -hmm. and yeah search for for initiatives or, or groups or mentoring systems I mean, AGU also has this great mentoring program. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm pleased to see that a lot of societies are offering mentoring programs because I think that that makes a massive difference. Like personally, mm -hmm. through my career, that has made a massive difference. Yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree with you. I would, same for me, like just having someone that can be your cheerleader, no matter what, is can make all the difference in keeping your confidence at a level that allows you to function and to get to the next step. So I, mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. Um, that's really good advice too. I think sometimes maybe people, they may be apprehensive maybe to seek out um, mentorship or they don't realize how important it actually does become at certain points in your career. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that's great. And I think that it's even, more important if you are part of a like a non-traditional background yeah um because or you know uh or if you are part of a minority or an underrepresented group because the thing is that you usually don't have that network as part of your family or mm -hmm. or if you are a, a first uh, um, first generation yep geoscientist it's like you don't know you don't understand the system, right? Absolutely. So again, having that in place just makes a massive difference. Are you a first-generation geoscientist? I guess I'm a, I'm a first-generation geoscientist. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, well, yeah, that being said, I guess my father started, um, started actually um, geosciences, but he never finished. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I guess, in a sense, I am fulfilling the... Well, I wanted to be a geoscientist, regardless. Mm -hmm. Yep. But I I guess I'm happy to see that um, that I managed to finish, even though, yeah, um, mm -hmm. because he, he couldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I am I'm from Latin America, um, you know, I, I guess I've, I've had to be my own role model in mm -hmm. a sense absolutely uh, and again that's that's why i have experienced how important it is to have uh, a mentor or you know some sort of network that helps you yeah absolutely and then the last question that i always end on is what do you do to maintain your happiness and success um <laughs> um <laughs> Well, I do lots of yoga. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, so it is interesting because when I when I first started, or like for example, when I did my masters, mm -hmm. you know, I was a TA. I was also doing my research. You know, like you always find hiccups along the way. You know, mm -hmm. the mass spectrometer that I was using to do my research was not 
you know, working properly some days, mm. right? So like yeah. there are so many aspects that interfere with with your progress that are outside of your control. So yes. I think that um I and I didn't understand I guess back then how important it is to have something that keeps you sane and happy. Yeah. Um and and then yeah that's I guess then I discovered yoga and then that's um something that I do and it just makes me happy and you know I guess exercising I'm lucky that now I live in the Blue Mountains in Sydney where there are lots of hikes mm-hmm. everywhere so I can always just go for a quick hike yeah oh that's great well thank you so much Sarah it was really nice talking to you I wish you the best in luck and please keep in touch with us <laughs> we'll no, have to do a, a follow-up think- whenever you land your next job <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> um and yeah i i think that that you are also doing a great job to the or like a um it is great to have a platform that showcases mm-hmm. um i guess women or people from underrepresented backgrounds and mm-hmm. also yeah just to to listen to how people get to places it's mm-hmm. just really important and i don't it think that's there are many platforms that actually tell you how how people grow a career um yeah. so thank you yeah for offering of that platform absolutely thank you thank you everyone for listening in we're really glad you can make it and we look forward to seeing you at our next podcast have a good night bye <laughs>